Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. My name is Andy. Sitting across the... Well, sitting next to me, actually directly next to me, and elbowing me in the side because she thought I had to speak, but I, when I was really just waiting for the recording to begin, it was Jenny. Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> um, we say happy holidays at this hospital. Oh my god. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Happy holidays? That's right. Happy holidays to everyone. We know everyone celebrates different holidays. But you know what? I will say Merry Christmas because it is Christmas Eve. It is Christmas Eve. And we are we are recording this on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like it's heathens. Very, yeah, it's very impressive. So, uh, anybody have any... Any holiday joy they want to get out before we start? Or should we just kind of distribute it along the way? I don't know what distributed along the way means. That's <laughs> that's weird. But yeah, let's breadcrumb it in. Yeah, just kind of skeet it along as we're, you know. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I mean, good callback, but ew. <laughs> All right. Let's start with what we start with every week. The Elite Beat. Pop of the week. Okay. What are we doing here in Columbus this week? Well, I don't have anything to pop because I'm drinking a skinny girl, and that's just a twist-off cap. But I will plug my new present. So I got to open up one of my presents on this Christmas Eve, and I got a Brewmate wine insulator. So you can pull in an entire bottle of champagne into this insulated Nice. Purple wine bottle looking thing. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited about it. Yeah. And it keeps it it keeps it at its temperature for 24 hours. It's pretty exciting. <clears throat> so are you drinking your skinny girl out of that? No. A different I haven't washed product. it yet. She's drinking oh. it out of a different roommate product. Yeah. Okay. Actually, my matching roommate. Tumblr. Tumblr. Oh, you got like a set. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I this week have um, a Diet Coke because it's it's 8 p.m. as we're starting. And uh, a Rheingeist cheetah. Cheetah. (laughs) So here we go. Here we go. Two cans of audio whoop ass. Wow. Oh, hell yeah. Did I smash them together? Yes. Get some foam just all over the place. (laughs) Jenny's going to love it. Let Let me take a pull from this cheetah. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. How's your skinny girl? It's very good. All right, Megan. Uh, well, you had two simultaneous, well, no, one after the other cracks, and I have wine, but it is a cracker, so I don't know if this is going to make noise, but it's called uh, Cowtown, and I thought, in honor of Hangman the Handsome Cowboy, this is a good one to have. I've never had it before. It's a Cabernet, so we're going to see how it goes, but... Um, I will do my best to make this an audible opening. Hold on, here we go. If it's not, you can just you can just fake it like Justin did. Oh, you're right. I'll slap my leg like the yeah. real workers. Did that I heard sound? That. I heard okay. some noise. Yeah. yeah. See, that's a cracker. Good job, me. What, yeah. Now, what what style is uh, the Cowtown? It's a Cabernet Sauvignon from Paso Robles. So. Uh, the California? Yes. 
It's perched between the bustling cities of LA and San Francisco, according to this Ooh. wine label. Yeah. That's, so. a, That's long... a big gulf. Okay. <laughs> That is the only geographic information they provide to me, so that's what I'm relaying back to you. It's a between those two large bustling cities, you'll find a little cow town called Paso Robles, somewhere in that huge stretch. So, while the mood is laid back, the winemaking is serious. This is one you'll want to kick your boots off to enjoy. Good thing it's a pandemic and I'm in my pajamas 24-7. And here's the labels for you guys. Wait, there we go. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, it's very that's handmade. That's like a, the skull of a bull. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Columbus, Ohio is sometimes weirdly referred to as a cow town. Because uh, there, there are farms on the outskirts? I guess so. Yeah. yeah, there are lots of like opportunities to see cows on the way to get to Columbus from pretty much any direction, right? It's true. Yeah. yeah, outside of the city is just cows and soybeans. I remember there was a big, um, there was a big push from uh, the alternative newspaper in Columbus, uh, the other paper, which I don't think exists anymore, unfortunately. But um, at the time when the Columbus Blue Jackets were coming into the into existence, uh, the other paper was uh, advocating loudly that we be called the Columbus Mad Cows because of the Cowtown no. reputation. It was also when uh, you know Mad Cow was like sweeping the the headlines around the around the world. That really doesn't seem like an image you want to have for your team. Yeah, I don't think we, you've got a lot of traction outside of the readership of the other paper. We're infectious. <laughs> yeah. But then Blue Jack, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm used to it now, but I've never been a big fan of the like name, the nickname Blue Jackets. It doesn't really seem to mean anything. It's like Yellow Jackets, but they're like, we prefer blue, please. Yeah. Oh, well, that's fun. I thought they were a basketball team, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was the Clippers you thought were the basketball team. Oh, damn it. They sound like basketball, too. Well, there is a Los Angeles Clippers that's NBA true. team. Okay, that's what I cling to as my justification for that mistake, is that I I know I've heard Clippers in the context of basketball before. One time, I asked Megan if she wanted to go to a Columbus Clippers game, which is our uh, our Farm. minor league baseball team. Yeah. And she responded, I guess so, sure. I don't really know much about basketball. Like, clearly, I don't even know what teams are in it. So. But you were you were up for it, though. I was, because I figured I could wander around and do other things. Much like at baseball games, when you're kind of in the nosebleeds, it's like, I'm not there to watch baseball. I'm there to socialize. Right. Sorry, Cincinnati Reds. You are only good sometimes. <laughs> All right. Let us talk about uh, being elite. For this week, uh, entitled A Christmas Carol. What'd you think, Jenny? Um, I like I liked when they sang about Hangman. Okay. And he that seemed was, confused. That was the last two minutes of the show. I liked that. Yeah. Um <laughs> Would you like Dave Meltzer call it the greatest episode in the history of being the elite? No, that's some bullshit, Dave. I understand you're going through Six some hard stars. times, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take back my bullshit comment and say if this gave you some entertainment value during your more difficult times, uh-huh. I, I fully support that. <clears throat> Hope everyone gets better and is doing okay. I don't think his mom's gonna get better. Well, his son. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh I so this was I would not say this was the best 
uh, episode of BTE ever by far, but it was probably one of the better long ones. It was 30 minutes long, and I think pretty much all the humor hit. I, I didn't like the flash, the Frankie Kazarian flashbacks, because I never felt like that humor hit. So then when you just re-show it, it still doesn't hit. That's because that's because for some reason you can't keep in your mind what the term mark means. Well, then like they should do a better job of making a joke. I really like that whole segment, so I cannot get on board with you. <laughs> yeah. How do we get <laughs> what kind of award could um, I guess we could give him a a, a beady, but what kind of like could we get an Emmy award for Frankie Kazarian for his performance in this episode? I guess <laughs> I don't know what the strict rules on Emmys are, but I everything's was, online these days. So I thought he was the superstar of this of the show. I really liked um, his last piece where he hugged everyone. Yeah, it was great. They did they did the whole thing. They did like the framing of the Christmas Carol with the best friends in Orange Cassidy as the three ghosts, and uh, and it was just all based around how badly he's treated Brandon Cutler all year. And he I has. Would, do you think that they knew like back when they started that that they were building up to this? I, I think maybe I I don't if not this I think they were building to something else because they consistently did it, you know, but. Then again, maybe they were just going to see how many terms they could get through giving Brendan Cutler shit about not knowing as a mark. Who knows? I mean, the Matt Hardy, like, terms of the, uh, I forget what he called him. But when terms he would pause, of the inside explained by birth broken brilliance. Yes, when he would pause and do that. It, it felt kind of along those lines. But I do like how they tied this up with a nice, like, Christmas story ending. I could almost see it like last year they came up with the idea and it was like, oh, we should do like a Christmas Carol thing. But then they were just like, but we don't really have anything for it. So let's let's work backwards for a year to <laughs> to like be ready for next year's Christmas special. I could see them doing that. Oddly enough, I could too. They're very committed and they do a lot of really long cons on things. So they are committed. I I do wonder if Frankie's going to end up doing skits in anger management because ultimately didn't he agree I could use anger management and that's yes. like where that it's going to go. That was part of the last segment. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other than that, um, Matt Hardy did a really, what I thought was a really good promo for a man losing his mind uh, <laughs> just about the state of his career and his age and, and what he has left in the tank. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was, at first, I just thought this is another Matt Hardy being a dick skit, and that was fine. And then all of a sudden, he got, like, really passionate and weird, and then I was invested. So I don't know what's going on with Matt Hardy. I don't understand if I like him or hate him at any given point. It seems to fluctuate a lot, but I guess good for him for keeping my attention. Yeah, I thought this was maybe his best promo in AEW. It almost seemed like some of that stuff he could have saved for actual Dynamite. Yeah. on air things you know speaking of which i do i just since we were talking about frankie and we're pretty much done with frankie now i do want to say before we move on to the rest of the show of uh, B- bte that the big thing that people are talking about that was on AEW dark on tuesday was a segment of uh brit baker's talk show the the waiting room where uh christopher daniels and frankie kazarian were the guests and daniels basically tried to retire on the show and Kazarian wouldn't let him 
and they had this, he gave this impassioned speech and they agreed that they would, they would keep, he would, for that Chris would keep going. But the first time, because he, his point was like, I, I noticed that like, we've lost a lot of big matches lately. And every time we lose, it's me who's getting penned. And I feel like I'm letting down the team. And, and so now they've agreed that they're going to keep trying, but the first time they lose, Daniels is, is ending the team. Wow. No pressure. Yeah. Hmm. So I guess it's probably setting up some kind of story where they work their way up to a tag title shot and then lose. But that's what I would guess at least. But uh, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. And And apparently Kazarian was just fantastic in the segment though. So. Of course. He's having a good (laughs) week. And then Chris, Christopher Daniels would retire. Yeah. And probably just do his, you know, his backstage stuff. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we'd totally lose him, but that's interesting. I hope that they they didn't make any mention of it on Dynamite. No, um, I would hope that they do some kind of recap of it the next time SCU has a match on Dynamite, since yeah. apparently their careers are on the line every time they wrestle, or at least Daniels is. <laughs> I yeah, I hope they don't quietly retire him on Dark with no mention ever on the on the main show. Oops, they lost to the Varsity Blondes. They're, it's over now. <laughs> Damn it, Brian Pillman Jr. How dare you pin a legend? Um, and then the other thing on the show was Dark Order Christmas Party. And it's culminated in a big musical number, which was Adam the Handsome Cowboy. Hangman the Handsome Cowboy. Hangman the Handsome Cowboy to the tune of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it was actually very good. And very funny. And uh, Anna Jay was excellent. And Stu was excellent. And John Silver, of course. Uh, I thought everybody was great. And Hangman just got to sit there and look bewildered. He didn't really have to do anything. (laughs) No, he was in a lot of different locations with his whiskey in hand. And all of a sudden, the Dark Order were just around him, singing Mm -hmm. his praises, essentially. I love that they had to come up with lyrics for the entire song. Oh, yeah. There were multiple verses. (laughs) Yeah, because all the other carols, they did maybe like the first one or two sentences, verses into it, and then they could stop. But yeah, this was like a whole thing, and I loved it. And they put the words at the bottom, too. It's very cute. Yeah, so, you know, if you were so inclined, you could have sung uh, sang along. Yeah. I did I did not. I didn't think about it. I was not so inclined. I Me neither, but, you know, it's always there for future reference. Maybe it'll be like Judas. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll be like Judas. And then there was, I thought, a very entertaining... And easy to follow, uh, number one contenders game for the BTE title that was just high card, low card. And uh, it was a line of competitors. And, uh, you know, you had to guess if the next card dealt to you was going to be higher than the last one or lower than the last one. And if you were wrong, you were out. And uh, I, it was it was pretty compelling, actually. I think yeah. it was their best uh, competition yet. I think so, too. I think because it was it was quick. It didn't require too much thought. They just got down the line. And also, Marco managed to get the easiest hand dealt to him. He kept getting like twos and then a like face card. Yeah. So it was so easy for him. Ugh. And I guess that's how he won. Ultimately. Yeah. And according, Anna Jay was runner up. She was, and she was pissed and knocked all her cards off. And then they were like. Dude, Marco has to, like, get a successful guess, so. (laughs) But he did, so it didn't matter. Um, But, yeah, she was pissed. 
Uh, and next week, apparently, they're going to play for the belt a game where they kick a water bottle and try to knock the cap off it only, I think is what John Silver said. I was not clear on... Yeah, have you, ever, have you guys ever seen that online? People doing that? It was like a big viral thing that went around a couple years ago. It's so you have a water bottle set up and you do like a spin kick and try to hit it so just the cap is, is hit and like it's spin it'll spin off. It's gonna take them an hour. This well, is gonna be the longest segment. This is what, this is what editing is for. <laughs> I should have edited that mustard game more. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> Here's I'm just glad Rick Knox put water in the bowl. Yeah. Here's an update uh, next week on Dark. Looks like the main event is going to be SCU versus the Hybrid 2. So the Daniel's career could end on a Tuesday night. I mean, And we'll I'm never know why. I'm guessing it will not. <laughs> okay. I think they're going to probably uh, get the win in that one. So anyway, Megan, any other uh, BTE thoughts before we move on? Um, I did think it was funny when the Bucks were wandering around the Dark Order's lair and they were basically shooting on the fact that the Dark Order had broken an $800 custom-made table, which is the one that their little booth area, and the Bucks had to pay for it, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> That's like totally Anna Jay and Stu's fault, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because Stu's <laughs> the one who flew into it, I'm sure, at some point and just broke that sucker, but man. I guess you pay for quality BTE segments, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I guess and, you're getting all the talent labor for free, so Yeah. Yeah, I don't think any, yeah, I don't think anybody's getting any getting any, <laughs> uh, extra. But John like people people do benefit from it though. They're getting themselves yeah. over and yeah. you know, you never want to work for free because you know, notoriety doesn't pay the bills, but in this case I think it directly leads to them <laughs> getting payments, so I think it's okay. Yeah. If if you if you can get a catchphrase going and then, you know, get a on pro wrestling tease the next week, it'll probably help. Hell yeah. Um, also, another miscellaneous thing from this episode is Matt Hardy making music or just appearing in some music video that was uh, displayed briefly. So what's that, that? Okay, so that was uh, Mikey Ruckus was the person was the artist who was named, and he has he does some of the music for AEW wrestlers. So okay. maybe he's doing a new theme for Matt, or he's. Maybe he's the current theme and they just made a music video for it. I'm not sure. Okay. Big week for music videos in AEW, as it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk ratings. This from John Pollock of Post Wrestling. Outside of its regular time slot on TNT, AEW Dynamite still finished fifth among cable programming following the NBA. Wednesday's episode of AEW Dynamite finished with 775,000 viewers with a .32 rating in the 18-49 demographic. Viewership was down 4% from last week, while the demo rating was equal to last week's figure. The show followed TNT's coverage of the Milwaukee Bucks versus Boston Celtics, which was number one on cable with 2,003,000 viewers and a .80 in the 18-49 demo. Wow. Um... AEW experienced a surge with men 12 to 34, increasing from a 0.11 last week to a 0.27 this week. So that is, that's all dudes who were watching the NBA. Uh, NXT, on the other hand, ran unopposed no, from 8 oh to no. 10. Um, but they, they had tougher competition because they were against the NBA, and uh, but, they, but they were the only wrestling show on at the time. 
And they fell 9% in viewers from the last week when they were when they were opposed. And they also did not gain at all in 18 to 49, even even up against no wrestling. Move to Tuesday. Just do it. But Just no, move I, to Tuesday. Well, apparently it wouldn't matter. It would, yeah, based on this, it wouldn't matter. Well, I mean, basketball, I think, is a big detractor, right? Yeah, but I think the, I think the once the NBA gets in full swing, there's gonna be games every night of the week. That move to Tuesday. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So anyway, it's just uh, they're not. Yeah, we've said it before. They're not even really competing with NXT anymore. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the thing about the big lead-in. <laughs> As Megan, you're about to say. You're about to tell us about the big uh, opening segment with Chris Jericho and MJF and uh, Top Flight. Yes. So this was the night that NBA Twitter uh, discovered that there is something called AEW and that Chris Jericho is still wrestling. Oh, God. And they were not kind to uh, perhaps their childhood hero, uh, Chris Jericho, uh, out there at 50, still trying to do it. Apparently they think Chris Jericho should put a shirt on. I don't want to quote anything directly because a lot of it was so mean, but I just thought it was, it was interesting. You get all that big lead in and then it's just like all, the whole Twitter component of it is just people shitting on Chris Jericho. I, I don't think, well, okay. A couple things. I don't think anybody deserves to be body shamed. If you're at the beach and you don't want to wear a shirt, that's your deal. As long as your junk's covered up, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Now, what Chris- about a public figure in a, in a cosmetic business? Um, I do think that if your job is to be in shape and that's kind of like your only job, (laughs) like, you know how Marvel movie stars are always super in shape because they get paid to work out like four hours every single day and eat only chicken for like six months or whatever. Sure. That's why they pay you. So, um, Jericho, yeah. Could he tighten up a little bit? Sure. I thought he was doing the DDP yoga. I thought he was getting it all together, but he does have the dad bod, and that is a thing. Also, my my big criticism of him is uh, if he can't get the, the, you know, dad bod down a little bit, he gets gassed so quickly, and that is the more, to me, like, I can overlook his, like, beer gut a little bit, you know, that he's 50. You get it. Not everybody can be Hollywood movie stars. Brad Pitt, what an anomaly. But look at that beautiful man. Um, I just think there was one point where Jericho got pinned. And it was a two count. But it didn't look like he did anything to <laughs> to warrant the two count. It was just like, good. And the announcers were like, good thing he got his shoulders up. But honestly, it looked like he waved his legs a little. And then the top <laughs> flight guy was like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to get off you. <laughs> um so in that sense, that's what takes me out of it more than his dad bod. Because you got like big monster guys who aren't, you know, they are in shape. I don't want to say they're not in shape, but like they have body fat and they do fine. But if your cardio's down, you can totally tell. Like, and he looked tired in that ring, you know, and he's with a bunch of tw- not even 20 somethings. They're like teenagers. So it's more noticeable. Yeah. So that's, I don't think anybody deserves to be shamed on Twitter because that's like a really mean, the internet is a mean place. Um, But if you boiled it all down and then turned it into some sort of constructive criticism, 
then yes, I would say you're getting paid a lot of money. Maybe you should try to work on your bot a little more. Do your cardio. Or or at least on your stamina a little bit more. Yeah. And I feel like it was even worse when it was hot out and we'd see Chris Jericho trying to do a match. Yeah. It was rough for him down at Daly's place when it was hot. But last night, it looks like he was tired. I just... Yeah. So he was... He was trending on Twitter because of this. Oh, but not for the reason he wants to be trending. But not for the reason he wanted to be. And it just it just made me think, like, they probably put a lot of thought into what the structure of this show would be based on what their, you know, they had a two million viewer lead in. Um, that's like, that might be as big as they've ever had before. And, you know, you th- so you think like, you think, you could, oh, we could do like a, like a Young Bucks title match. We could put, we could put Sting out there. Uh, we could do a, this Chris Jericho tag, and then with a Jericho tag, because they probably thought, well, people know who Chris Jericho mm-hmm. is. It'll get new eyeballs. Maybe they'll stick around for a while. And for this to be the like at least the internet reaction, Twitter is not the real world, obviously. But so we don't really know like what the public at large thought of this. But I, I can't imagine they're happy with the choice they made given the reaction it got. I honestly. Uh, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little, but I thought that of the night, the Dark Order versus Jurassic Express tag match would have more fell in line with their kind of track record of opening matches, where it's just like tag teams having out there having fun, no real big like stipulations, but they're good at what they do. And yeah, it's, it's people people doing spots. athletic things who look athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jurassic Express, I think, killed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, well, he's and... got more wrestling experience than the two of his teammates combined, okay? That's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, it was weird that they gave Top Flight, like, a full-on entrance, too. It's like, why wasn't Top Flight, if, if you're going to go with that, like, why wasn't Top Flight already in the ring, and then you do Jericho's entrance, and then you just get right to it? They did Jericho's entrance, then they did Hot Flight's entrance, then Tony and JR talked and stuff, and then they got started on the match. So it's like, it was just kind of like a, quite a lot lead up when you're trying to get people like hooked. And last time when they had the NBA audience, they made it a point to showcase Scorpio Sky. So you've already got people like millions of viewers who saw him the last time, like he wasn't even on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I will... I will say Jericho's entrance, like, is very cool because everybody's singing it. And if you had not seen Jericho in 30 years and you were like, whoa, he's a huge deal. Look at all these people singing his song. And, you know, then you just then it happens and, uh, you know, isn't as great as you remember Jericho being whatever. But I, I do get like that initial hype for Jericho. I could see that, like, if you were an old time fan and and seeing that he walks out and all of the crowd is singing his theme music. You know, it, it does look like he's super important and great. Um, it's just like, Ooh, a lot of people also use the phrasing, uh, similar to, or exactly, uh, knock off WWE, second rate WWE, uh, things like that to describe mm-hmm. AEW. <laughs> I think that's really unfair though, because other than having like Jericho there, well, okay, they followed it with Sting. That's rough. Um, right. I don't even think Sting did bad. I'm just saying, like, look at all these old people. And in that sense, 
they were hitting like a WWE stride, but I but I could see it though. If you're like if a if you're an if you're like primarily an NBA fan, and b if you're if you think you're if 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 you're enough of an asshole to like be a prominent voice on Twitter, like <laughs> and those two things are what you're into, then you you probably wouldn't have ever heard of AEW or barely heard of it or something, you know. And the, your reference point for wrestling would be WWE and probably always will be. That yeah, that's true. I I'm just sad because I I feel like their product AEW is a good product. Um, we we have our criticisms week to week, but I don't think I criticize them nearly as much as I do WWE. <laughs> and maybe that's unfair, but I think they're doing a lot of stuff right. Uh, it's just maybe maybe this was a miss um, for the particular week where you're following basketball and starting the night off at I want to say ten p.m. They, they Eastern. They started at like five past ten or something like that. Okay. So yeah. like you're asking people to stay up even later. And I guess on the West Coast it doesn't matter so much because you're still at like a normal time. But right. um, I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird to think of a crowd that doesn't know anything about AEW being being there just because they watch basketball and then decided, oh yeah, I remember wrestling from 30 years ago. What's going on now? It's apparently the same thing. <laughs> now, I, I like I remember this is my this is I think the ultimate example of thinking about your lead in and and trying to like program it for that lead for that lead in audience. Back on uh, when TNA and the UFC were both on Spike TV, there was a UFC Fight Night event, and uh, it was like it was one it was a it was a bigger than usual Spike show, like because usually you got the big shows on pay per view, but I think it was like. For whatever reason, they had this really big fight that was on Spike. And TNA Impact was following in its regular time slot. Oh, no. And what? I don't know. Every time you mention Impact, I just worry it's going to go bad. Okay. No, this went good. Okay. So what they did was they started the show off with a... Not only did they start the show off with a Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe match, because they thought this is like two guys who were going to like... They'll go out there and they'll make it look like a fight. They'll make it look good. You know, like Daniels is very athletic. Joe's very scary. They, they not, so they didn't just start the show with that match. They started the show a few minutes into the match. And the first image you see is Christopher Daniels standing on the outside of the ring and Samoa Joe running at him and kicking him in the face. And so, oh, damn. Okay. so it goes from like the end of the UFC to that's the very first pro wrestling thing you see. And if I remember correctly, they like did a really good uh, quarter hour for that for that you know for that for a first match. I, I'm sure it fell off after there because things that's how it works. But yeah. So, so what could AEW have done to really get a pop instead of this reaction? I'd have put the young bucks. I I just stuck the main event in the opening slot. Yeah, the only reason I went with Jurassic Park, not Jurassic Park. God, I'm Tully Blanchard. Um. <laughs> Jurassic Express. Did he see Jurassic Park on the show? Oh, he did. We'll get to it. <laughs> but the only reason I went with that match was because I thought they they stuck to the formula of uh, all title matches are at the end. And it seems like I guess it would be a total flip if you put it first. It would have done great, I'm sure, because it was a very good match, but um, I assume they kind of had to anchor it at the end because of that. Yeah, I, I, I seriously think you could have just swapped just straight up swap the two and, and put the, put the Jericho match mm-hmm. in the main event. Yeah. I mean, I get where they were coming from and that's probably like the thought process I would have initially gone with, but, 
yeah, the Bucks would have been a better lead, I think. I think so too. Yeah. They they carry people better. And like I will say, Top Flight, I think, are talented, but as we pointed out before, their match with the Bucks is probably the best one, and it's probably due heavily to the talent of the Young mm-hmm. Bucks because Top Flight does okay. They do okay with other opponents, but like you're putting them with Chris Jericho and MJF, and Jericho's in there a lot of the match, you know? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm yet to see a team that didn't have their best match with the Young Bucks. Yeah. So, anyway, well, let's let's get to Dynamite, and we've, we've pretty much talked through this uh, this first segment here. But uh, anything else we need to we need to say about it? Um, I think the big thing was actually the post match stuff that happened. So, um, other than criticizing Jericho for dad bod and no cardio, I thought I thought the match was pretty fun. Actually, um, I do get scared every time he goes for the lion salt now. Um, but but he he hits it every time, so. <laughs> Yeah, so far so good. And yeah. I don't want to take anything away from MJF, who was also in this match and did perfectly fine. Did his very MJF-y formulaic thing, which is not an insult. It's just he knows his character and he does his character. So uh, he did not, you know, he he did what he could when he was in the ring. Uh, and Jericho was in the ring a lot. But he did actually get the pin. He pinned I believe it's Darius um, after doing the heat seeker, which looked yeah. pretty good. The finish looked great because it was Darius was going for like a springboard and Jake Hager grabbed him by the leg and pulled him down. So he smacked his face on the apron and Jenny thought he lost some teeth. Yeah. Um, I was worried for a minute. I hope he didn't. Uh, I hope he was just selling. I, that's what I said. I said, well, hopefully he's just good. And, <laughs> uh, and then MJF pulled him up and hit the heat seeker through the ropes. I love the heat seeker. I think that's a really cool looking move. Yeah. And I think, you know, Darius took it well, and it all looked good from from both angles on that one. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, after the match, because you mentioned Jake Hager's there, Hager's got something to say. He gets on the mic and he's like, "You know, I've got something to get off my chest. You know, it's been tw- two weeks since we had our ultimatum, and everybody's on good terms now, and all the guys in the inner circle are doing their jobs except for one man." A man named Wardlow. <laughs> and uh, he acknowledges that Wardlow has been out for the last two weeks because of family business, um, which I think is probably more serious than how he treats it. But he says... Um, this is the real family, Megan, the inner circle. <laughs> yep. He says, this is our family, and we're all here doing our family business. We're I wonder if his wife would support that. Who, Catalina? Yeah, I know she's all about winning, but would she support the inner circle family being above her own family? I think, honestly, like, I thought Jake did a good job with the promo, but I was kind of hoping, like, I was thinking, like, Catalina should be the one cutting this promo right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like as long as, I, you know, if she, I think she'd be on board because her man's making money and he's on television and she loves that. Um. But yeah, so Hager's pissed that Wardlow's not around. And so apparently he has gone to Tony Khan at some point and requested a match between himself and Wardlow. And so he, this is how he conveys that information to his teammates. He's out there and he goes, Wardlow's an asset. I know that, but he's also an asshole. <laughs> and, so, and so for that reason, TK has given me a match, bet- like me and him, on Dynamite next week. Hager cracks me up. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, 
<laughs> He's an angry giant. <laughs> Megan, you know that, that that match, that's my favorite kind of match. A big mean man match, yeah. 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 I uh, I was very amused by the fact that now there's no way that the inner circle can claim that their members never use their finishing moves on each other because this will break that streak. No, it was broken previously, right? Didn't they? I don't remember. I thought they had like a tiff. I don't think they Earlier. probably they probably didn't hit finishers on each other. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> they have verbal tiffs all the time, but their claim to fame is that they've never used their finisher. Like moves Jericho on each just other. like ended every conversation by Judas affecting all the other members of the, <laughs> of the inner circle. He could. It's just an elbow. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. But man, like that uh, dynamite, the the New Year's Bash night one looks stacked. Hell yeah! And I think they started to get into night two as well. I mean, they're like. Yeah. Building it up. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the kind of the big news that came out of that match. Um, the next segment we have is the music video, I believe Andy alluded to earlier. It is by our pals, The Acclaimed, and it is the, the title of the song is Buck Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> and this is um, just a... They're just dragging the Young Bucks all over here. We start out with an image of them taking the Young Bucks book and holding it over the toilet because they're going to flush it because it sucks. And then um, and then they say they're going buck hunting and they've collected two nerdy white guys to go with them. And I don't know who they are, but they tried their best to do the rap faces throughout this video of like the like, I don't even know. I don't know how to describe it. Just like people in rap videos make the the like the face of like i'm threatening but these two white guys are not so i don't know what's going on there um i i can't remember any of the lyrics i do think it's funny when they allude to the yucks or yucks the bucks better watch out when they shoot which is to say i guess drop truths there was there was also a um there was a dave Meltzer line in there like something pay for reviews something like yeah something like uh (laughs) Like kiss, uh, like uh, kissing Dave's ass for stars or something like that. <laughs> Come on, this man. is not the only rap from the acclaim that we'll get tonight. No, oh no! Every time they show up, we get a rap, Jenny. That is well, what I've learned. I was just shocked that we got two separate instances of them. Max Caster is like a good rapper. Yeah, I, I think I enjoyed the first part of last week with Frankie Kazarian. And I enjoyed this, and I enjoyed the rap with the Bucks later in the night. I did not enjoy the second rap of last week. We don't need no. to get back into it, but <laughs> no. Respect women rappers. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Uh, yeah. Do they? I I wondered if they prepared raps for every match on Dark that they have, because it it seems like a lot of work to. To have, like, a rap for every enemy. I don't know, but I'm almost compelled to, like, go back and look because I, I really like them. Yeah, they seem fun. I, I'm not against the rapping. I I just cringe when people who don't have any rapping skills try to come back at them with the raps. And that's when I'm like, oh, no, am I watching The Bachelor? Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. The guys who were, that they the two white guys that they pulled... Sometimes they were like running around with them, and other times they were dressed up as the young bucks. Yeah, it but only weird. one of them had the hair for it. There was only one with long hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like a whole thing. 
I wonder if they got Darby to produce their video. Maybe. Who knows? Be out of genre for him, but you know, he's I'm sure he's eclectic. He just you know, he loves the art form. <laughs> and he's got that huge plot of land. You can hunt things on there, I'm sure, including bucks. Yeah. Well yeah. Speaking of Darby, we're gonna talk to his I wanna say friend still. Darby. Dobby, Dobby the house elf. Um, the next segment is an in-ring interview where Tony gets to talk to his friend Sting, and he's so happy about it. It's so cute. They should hug more. They didn't hug this time, but they should. They had fun though. They did. I think Tony did his it Sting entrance that Sting asked him to do last week. Um, but yeah, I have, Sting. I have Sting news, by the way. Do you want oh. me to do it after the segment, or do you want me to do it now? Uh, is it good news or bad news? I mean, it's it's news from his AEW Unrestricted interview today. Um, go ahead and do it before then. I haven't listened yet, but I was I was interested in what he had to say. So I thought like the big it was it was pleasant because you know he and Tony are are pals and stuff. But uh, I thought it was interesting. He said that basically he pitched a lot to WWE about doing some kind of like cinematic match with the Undertaker. Because, you know, they're both old-ass men. And, you know, but then they could use, like, all the smoke and mirrors and stuff. And I think basically, like, he saw the graveyard match, the boneyard match with Undertaker uh, and AJ Styles. I was going to ask you if it was if he was pitching before or yes, after that. He was, okay, He was, like, trying to get that for next year's WrestleMania. Oh, he thought, okay. like, this would be perfect. And WWE was just like, nah. And then so, apparently, then Tony Khan started pitching to Sting... To have him, like, all these cinematic matches he could do with AEW talent. And he was like, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So, it sounds like we are going to get Sting wrestling, but it's going to be in, like, kind of controlled environments, like, edited kind of mini-movie type stuff. That'll which be better. I think is, yeah, better for his age and limitations. And health. Like, I don't want him to hurt himself trying to impress the crowd, especially after Twitter's backlash on Chris Jericho. I'll tell you what, Sting looks better at 62 than Jericho does at 50. That's not true. I think he might be in better shape. <laughs> or at least he's chosen a costume that hides it. And that's yeah. part of your choices too. Mm-hmm. Honestly. When you're an entertainer on television every week. Yeah, how long before we get, did you think do you think next week we see the Jericho singlet after after people on Twitter were mean to him? <laughs> I don't think he'll ever do a singlet, but I think he might maybe try some, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think he should maybe try shirt. <laughs> just, he feels just a like t-shirt. It. Just wrestle in a t-shirt for a while. Like one of the inner circle shirts, but, like, heavily cut up so that the sleeves are really big, you know? Like, the sleeve holes are go- sleeves are gone, holes are big, and then also, like, the neck hole's really big. But generally speaking, you cover the tum. Right. Maybe I'll start wearing cummerbunds. Shirtless? Yeah. Like sparkly cummerbunds. I could see Jericho like trying something like that. Right. I, if there's some way to incorporate Spanx into the uniform, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad. I don't I don't love to like body shame people, but man, I wish somebody would give me like a lot of money to get in shape. Because then I guess I would finally be motivated <laughs> i want to be clear like i'm body shaming jericho and i'm not in shape and yeah, i'd wear neither a sh- am i i'd wear I, a I don't shirt think we're television. body shaming him are we i'm not 
I didn't think we were body shaming I'm just, him. I'm just reporting what NBA Twitter said about him. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of funny, but also very mean. I've always thought he kind of had like a boxy shape, and I don't think that's body shaming him. I think it's just like, you're a short, stout little dude, huh? He, so one of the one of the memes I saw was one of those, uh, how it started, how it's going. Oh, uh, that's memes. mean. Well, okay. It yeah, would those be never mean, go nice. It would be mean if the first picture was from 1990. The first picture was from January of 2020. Uh-oh. And he was oh, considerably slimmer and had He abs. lost um, 50 pounds, he said, on Instagram at the beginning of this year. Okay. He did not maintain. No. Yeah. Well, but it's it's a fucking pandemic. I, I'm not... I'm not... I didn't maintain. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, like, Jericho... I'm also not an entertainer. I've also worked, like, 65 hours at home at my job, maintaining my job throughout I, this pandemic. I think you can... I just want to, like, I think we're all being constructive here. I just want to be clear that, like, all bodies are good bodies. In this industry, maybe you're expected to have a little less, you're expected to have abs in a way that's, like, unfair to the main society. Um, But also, that's what you get paid for. And, yeah, Jericho, at the beginning of this year, definitely was slimmer. That DVP yoga, I think he was doing it. Um, But I've been... You know, I've been drinking wine a lot, so my abs are hidden under layers and layers. I'm and never okay. going to see my abs. This is a pandemic. I'm wearing pajamas. It's fine. But stretchy pants at the beginning of the pandemic. Well, stretchy shorts. And then when winter hit, I bought stretchy pants. If we come out of this all at the end of this pandemic and somebody wants to give me thousands of dollars to get in shape, I will. I promise you that. But for now, I'm hibernating. It's Ohio and it's cold. And I need all the warmth I can get. It's really cold tonight. And it's snowing and icing. Yeah. We live in the Midwest. I have a Midwest physique. That's <laughs> what I'm going to say. Uh, but yeah. I uh, I think Sting is probably... like I'm going to go with Andy on this one. I think Sting is probably in better shape. I've, I don't know if he's in better cardio shape. But... Physically, like, um, fat rate. Five years ago, he wasn't, guys. That's all I'm saying. I know you think yeah. that, but... Well, I, I, so, I, Megan, I think, you're, I think you're probably right. I think he's probably been in better cosmetic shape, but I think, mm-hmm. I think the thing that wrestlers always say is the only thing that can get you in ring shape is to be in the ring and wrestle. So he hasn't done that in five years. So, yeah. Yeah, it's like um, being functionally fit is a lot different than working the gr- glamour muscles. I think, you know? Yeah. Like, like if you're on the farm hoisting up heavy objects, you're going to have muscles, but maybe you got a little fat layer too. It's just, it's different. Uh, but I think in wrestling, you need to be able to run around the ring without looking like you're going to die. And that's where Sting and Jericho might both fail. But if Sting does cinematic matches, I'll watch them. Hell yeah, that Boneyard match was amazing. And I bet AEW, with the help of Darby, can probably produce some, like really cool cinematic matches where I don't feel bad for the people involved. I could, I would, you know, I would think like Jericho versus Sting might be one that they could end up doing in that kind of vein. Yeah, definitely. Multiple takes. I mean, yes, that's fine. I will watch that. I I don't want to watch the two of them huff and puff around the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that. Um, But that's not why we're here. I mean, Tony has a lot more positive vibes and questions for Sting. Um, who is also like 
I feel like Sting has this like aura around him that's just he's just like happy. He's just like super excited to be here and I think that's that's intoxicating and nice because he he doesn't look beaten down, you know. I think, I think he missed being around wrestling and WWE had him under contract for a long time and never used him after that first year. So, I think it was just I think he's just happy to be kind of around it again. I'm glad. Good for him. He it looks good on him. He's he's smiling. He's like energetic. I don't know much about Sting, but it does feel to me very, I don't know, just like positive. He's so happy to be there. Um, Here's the thing he, about Sting, Megan. Here's something you need to know about Sting. He rules. Okay. That's what you need to know about okay. Sting. Okay. <laughs> he kicks ass. He's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he brings snow with him here in AEW, so I don't know yeah. about that, but we'll see. I so hope he I'll brings like, snow to beach break. <laughs> Yes, I, just like throughout the Florida season, just he always brings snow. Guys, I know we're going to get to it, but is Jericho doing his cruise in February still? No, no. Okay, all right. I was really worried when Bash at the Beach was announced again. I would think that restrictions would not allow that, even though they had planned to do it, what, like last, earlier this year? Yeah, I think I think it's still on the books, but I think it's pushed back to November. Okay. Which, I mean, honestly... Hopefully everyone will be vaccinated by then. Yeah. So, I could, I don't really see a major issue with that. So Projections are June of 2021, if ever, that everybody could get their thing. So, if yeah. that's the case, fine. But yeah, if he was trying to do it in February, I'd, I'd be side-eyeing him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should be, I don't know, you should be constantly side-eyeing him for the fucking stuff he does outside of uh, AEW with his non-mask wearing, attending concerts and getting up on stage with Steel Panther and Super Spreader event. I don't know. I didn't love that. I will I mean I'm not, I'm not That was just that was just that. like last week. Wait, he did a different event? Yeah, this isn't the 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 one at Sturgis. This is one in Florida. It was like a Do big mask it was a bunch of it was like a packed like there was like apparently there was like a thousand people uh unmasked and like his first, like his, a couple of Steel Panther shows, and he got on stage and sang a couple songs. I really wish that Tony Khan would would Punish like him. <laughs> yes, would say if you want to do that, that's your right. But also, you will not be working for two weeks while you quarantine. Yeah, and he's and he's already like so. So this week was taped, but next week is not, and he's already been announced for commentary for next week's show. So. If I was Tony, I'd be like, no. The commentary team is like the oldest part of this program. Like, you know, why would you set him next to them? I, Chris Jericho, seriously, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. What a great, amazing career he's had. But at this point, the way he's just behaved this throughout this pandemic, it, it was great to have him to get the promotion going, but I don't think they'd miss a, I don't think they'd miss a beat if they cut Chris Jericho right now. I, I really don't. I think they're well enough established. They got they're well enough established. They got their TV money now. They got their contract. I think you could say goodbye to that guy. Same thing. Same with Jim Ross. Now Jim Ross isn't a COVID idiot, but he's just he's just kind of a general idiot. But <laughs> if that ever were to happen, which I feel like it won't, because the power of um, white man fame is strong. <laughs> uh, I and Tony Khan's nostalgia. Yeah, these are his playthings. <laughs> yeah. If, but if that were to happen, I really hope they would be clear about why. To, I don't know, to level set, to give people some sort of idea of the gravity of their choices. 
yeah. I don't know. Like, what does it take? Chris Jericho still making stupid ass decisions is he could single handedly cause a spread like in the company that would shut them down. And that's like actual financial issues that could mm-hmm. come from his behavior. And the fact that he just gets no consequences that we know of, to be fair, maybe he got a strong talking to, but even that is not really what is that? It didn't work. Yeah, like I, I just feel like there should be consequences. You can use other people. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's like, come on, man, come on. Yeah. All right, that's all I wanted to say about Jericho. I'm sorry, I got. <laughs> no, it's good to know. I, I thought we were still blaming him for the Sturgis event, and uh, it's so fun to know that that's not the only thing he's been doing. All right, so uh, let's go from Chris Jericho back to Sting uh, with Tony. Um, Tony asked Sting, how does it feel to be back on TNT after all these years? And Sting says he was an integral part of building up the original jungle. He keeps referring to it as a jungle. I didn't get that. Maybe Andy can hype us in on that later. But basically, he's so glad to be back now and glad that the jungle stayed intact and alive. Um, Tony points up to Darby, who's sitting in his usual place in the rafters, and he asked him, hey, you know, you've kind of made allusions to Darby and Cody, but what are, what are you doing here? What do you got planned? And Sting says, you know, that's a huge question. I go back to the time when me and Dusty were hanging out in the back, Dusty Rhodes, obviously, and watching matches together. And then he does this Dusty Rhodes impression. Because apparently everyone in wrestling has one. Sting's no different. But he's doing his on national television. You know Jericho <laughs> used to make all the NXT people who came on his podcast do Dusty Rhodes impressions? Yes, and they all were ready. Like, they yeah. all had them prepared. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sting does his Dusty impression. And he talks about, I guess, Dusty telling him that they're that he was going to put color on Sting, which at first I thought meant he was going to make Sting bleed a lot. And luckily, that was not the case. From context, I grasped that it meant Sting was going to wear neon gear and be bright and colorful. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, he was going to be ready to go up against the likes of Ric Flair, which actually ended up happening. And Sting sounded very nostalgic and happy for those times. So, do you have to wear bright colors to wrestle someone who wears bright colors? I think that bright clo- colors indicate like a super baby face, and that that must be what the image was. Because was that did the bright colors equal surfer sting? Is that when that happened? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it was like I think it was just like these colors will pop for the kids, and the kids will like be. His little stingers would be very, uh... <laughs> You'll get an action figure, son. But yeah, I, he sounded, again, like, I really like Sting's energy. He sounds so happy, and I know, again, know nothing about him, but it touches my heart in a weird way, so I hope he does okay. <laughs> um, but he ties this all back, and he says, like, seeing Cody in the ring all these years later, because Cody's his... Dusty's son, obviously, uh, that's what drew him to AEW um, because, you know, he liked Dusty a lot. And now look at what Cody's doing and he wants to be part of it. And Or Dustin. Well, he's only the third most important. So <laughs> just forget about it. 
I mean, that's pretty clear with this promo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to move down another peg when that baby's born. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dustin. He might already be down a peg with Yeti. That's true. Yeti's Instagram superstar cute. Yeti Pinkerton Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeti's so cute, though. Oh, my gosh, it is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so, yeah, all that is to say that, like, Sting's very nostalgic and he's happy. Good for him. Um, he starts to go into his thing with Darby, but he doesn't get very far into it when Taz shows up. Taz and team. Taz is mad, as usual. He accuses Sting of just being about Sting, because I don't, I guess that is. Sting's just here to get himself over. Aren't we all, though? Yeah, I mean, that's a natural response as a human. Yeah, that's a business, dude. So Taz is pissed. Um, at this, when Taz starts like verbally assaulting Sting, Darby, we see Darby leave his perch up in the nosebleed section, uh, which is important. And then Starks gets on the mic, Ricky Starks, and says Team Taz doesn't care about Sting's business with Darby or Cody, and doesn't care that Sting's back in the jungle. Like they've got bigger issues, they're more important. And Taz calls all of his boys hungry tigers. And starts to send them towards the ring to get Sting and I guess like eat him. And then the lights go out. Very briefly. Because when they come back on, Darby's in the ring with his skateboard. And he's standing next to Sting. And they are united front against Team Taz. Team Taz realizes that this is a big problem for them. They are not ready. And Taz gets back on the mic and says, Hey Darby, like Brian Cage wants that championship. That TNT championship you got. So... That's going to happen on January 6th. We got a match. You're going to put that up, and Cage is going to win it. And Cage is like, I want to do it now, which I thought for a minute that maybe they were just going to have, like, a match. Um, But Team Taz is like, no, it's not time yet. And so Taz leads him away, um, but Cage is very eager to get this title that he wants. Um, But, yeah, with them gone, Darby locks eyes with Sting in a very intense way, and then he walks over. They never break eye contact. It's very disturbing. He walks over to the corner where his TNT championship belt is. Darby picks it up. And they continue staring at each other until we go to commercial. Darby used broken Matt Hardy teleporting <laughs> abilities to get to the ring so quickly. Maybe. Well, we didn't have to see it in the same way we did when Matt Hardy teleported down to talk to Jericho in that really cursed segment. <laughs> <laughs> I think the jungle might just be like Axl Rose, you know, you in the jungle, baby, you're going to die. Like, I think it might be that kind of jungle because Sting is from the 80s. Oh, OK. I was not like not sure if TNT had some sort of weird nickname about being the jungle. No, I think it's just like, you know, like King of the Mountain, King of the Jungle kind of, you know. OK. Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. We do play that song a lot at the stadium. And it's referred to as the jungle stadium is. It is. Well, because we're Bengal Tigers. Megan, I want to thank your uh, Cincinnati Bengals for uh, defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers um, on Monday night. It was very helpful to the Browns' chances for winning the division. It is unhelpful, though, for the chances of having a 1 o'clock Sunday game for the Browns versus the Steelers, though. That's true. I'm not happy about that. They're probably going to flex that motherfucker to prime time again. (laughs) Look, I'm sorry. If it's here's, for the title. Here's how the Bengals work. 
they lose against all the teams you think they're going to win against. And then on really big battles, they weirdly pull through somehow. And that's just their magic. Well, it worked out for me. Well, I'm suck at Britsburg. That's all I can say. I think John Silver at one point screamed at Brit. Didn't your team lose? And I don't think it was to the Bengals. But yeah, he did. I feel like it was just a general insult and I liked it. Yeah. I'm still bitter. Heinz Ward is the guy who runs in uh, Dark Knight Returns. I don't know why. Yeah. It haunts me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, moving on. Moving on. The next segment, um, I didn't know how to take some. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, but we. Very strange. We Yeah, we go backstage with MJF, who's out, standing outside a door, and he makes a point to talk to the cameraman to make an excuse as to why this is all being filmed. Because, again, Tony Khan doesn't like this universe. Camera. Yeah. So MJF looks at the cameraman he has with him, and he says, I'm, I don't have you here just to show what a good person I am. I have it, you here because it's the right thing to do. And then he walks through this door and goes into this room where Santana and Ortiz are playing cards. And... MJF goes up, like, over to where Santana is sitting, and he starts to get choked up as he, like, talks about how, like, Santana, he knows Santana has lost someone very recently, which is his stepdad, and also earlier in the year, like, his dad. And then MJF says, I, too, just recently lost someone close to me. His grandfather, Stan Hart, he lost to cancer, and he says, like, he knows how hard it is. For Santana and that he's here for him which is all like if you take this out of the context of who MJF is it's a very nice gesture and Santana stands up he tells MJF to keep his head up and then he does that like bro like you know handshake into a hug I, I guess yeah. um yeah it's very it's very nice and Ortiz also is like touched by this gesture and it seems to because, you know, Ortiz kind of hates him, MJF. But Ortiz also, like, shakes his hand and then Santana and Ortiz leave. And then we get the shot of MJF where he's wiping the tears away. And I genuinely can't tell if the expression on his face was, that was a big joke, haha. Or, like, man, that was a tough time for me. I think this is to further the storyline of how MJF is going to take over the inner circle. Because right now, everyone hates MJF, so I think he's going to have to try and, like, keep doing these types of things to show, to, like, get him under his wing. I thought it was so strange, because I don't, if it's, if there, I do not like storylines that exploit death. No. I fucking hate it so much, but I, I mean, this segment didn't do that, but there is the potential that it could eventually do that, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I I think part of me was like, oh no, is this going to end in MJF being a dick to Santana? But then they just kind of did have a moment, whether it ends up that MJF was being a fake or not. It seemed like it comforted Santana in a way that's like, okay, good. And also, I don't know, I just think it's really scummy when he was away for, like, recently for this death that then you immediately bring it up. I don't know. Like if it's in a bad with bad intentions, I wouldn't like that, but it was bizarre. Yeah. But MJF's the kind of like his character is such a piece of shit that I honestly would not put it past him 
to then come back later and be like, haha, gotcha, bitch. But I don't want that to happen, you know? Right. <sighs> so, yeah, I'm glad um, it wasn't just me who couldn't read this uh, because it, I don't know, it, was, it just like ended. Inscru- inscrutable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thoughts for your stepdad, Santana, because that sucks. And for MJF's uh, grandfather who just passed. I, yeah, if that was real. Again. That is real. Oh, okay. Then, yes. Thoughts for your grandfather. I think the real person, MJF, is probably a nice boy, but his character sucks. Jenny doesn't believe me, and that's fine. Oh, well. We don't have to linger on it too much because next up we've got the match that I was talking about uh, that I propose be the first match of this episode and that is the Dark Order which this time is composed of Colt Cabana, Alan Angels number 5 uh, Vance, Preston Vance number 10 mm-hmm. and then they are facing off against Jurassic Express all three of those boys so Jurassic Express gets the win eventually here in this action-packed match when jungle boy pins alan angels with a powerbomb combo that is aided by luchasaurus yes but i do not think it is their double team move that they call the extinction event because it was not called as such so i think that's a different move so so it was i thought it was weird that they won with this but whatever you know they did so many moves where like two or three of Jurassic Express members were involved throughout this match. It was just very impressive, and that's why I thought slap this baby up on the front of the show and get those fans interested, because Jurassic Express is killing it. Yeah, I thought this was just like a fun, action-packed you know, little uh, little tag match. It, it did remind me that uh, we need some trios titles here pretty soon. <laughs> do you still think, like, do you think that's a thing that's going to happen? Uh, yes, actually, Tony Khan gave an interview last week or two weeks ago where he said that uh, trios titles are happening, but it'll probably be, well, at this point, it'll definitely be next year, but he said, you know, 2021. Oh, okay. Good. I'm happy about that. That'll be yeah. fun. It was really nice seeing Jurassic Express and Marco Stunt, particularly. Mm-hmm. I miss them. Yeah. I love that Luchasaurus just, like, tossed Marco Stunt everywhere like outside the ring at people in the ring uh at one point jungle boy did a ripcord splash where he assisted marco stunt on that just essentially by pulling him through his legs into a flip it was i don't know it's just like marco stunt is weirdly athletic but also spends a lot of time just getting tossed around like a potato sack at other people Mm -hmm. great yeah killing it so I thought this was a really fun match, and I think it made Jurassic Express look really good. I don't think Dark Order looked bad, per se, but this was clearly like Jungle Express, Jurassic Express, God, I'm Tully, uh, (laughs) getting their time in the sun here. Speaking of. Speaking of Tully, um, after the match, Tony runs into the ring to to conduct an interview with the Jurassic Express boys. Um... He points out that they are currently the number three contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championship, which is pretty high up the list, honestly. And then Marco starts to say something but gets interrupted immediately by a video message from FTR and Tully. 
Charlie calls Jurassic Express Jurassic Park. I could not tell legitimately if it was a joke or an actual mistake on his part, <laughs> but I did note that. Yeah, I don't think they own... Warner doesn't own Jurassic Park, so it's probably a mistake. <laughs> I, d- I didn't know if it was like a snarky, like, haha, gotcha. I mean, maybe like it was. Insult, but uh, I definitely feel like FDR's faces were like, oh, close. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tully tells Jurassic Express that they are going to have a match against FDR on January 6th. So add that to the second um, New Year's event match, or not match, uh, show. And I guess Jurassic Express is going to be Luciosaurus and Jungle Boy because Tully threatened Marco that if he interfered with the match, Tully was going to have a flashback to the 80s. And I didn't know what that meant, but Marco got uh, furious. He was incensed. So what does that mean? I think just like like Tully was saying, like he was going to take care of himself if, it, if okay. he needed to. I didn't know if back in the eighties Tully like really hated short people. <laughs> <laughs> like Mark was so mad. Mark was like, "What's an eighties? <laughs> I wasn't born then." <laughs> oh, okay. From there, we go to a hotel lobby somewhere. Alex Marvez has chased down Don Callis and Kenny Omega, and they both are really pissed about this. Um, Alex Marvez is trying to find out their thoughts on the New Year's match that's booked for the first week of the New Year's event, which is next week. And Don Callis goes off on a rant about how he doesn't understand that, like, TK lets his wrestlers basically book themselves. Like, what what is this bullshit? Um, he's so mad that the company is run amok with these wrestlers making their own matches. And Kenny's world champion Okay, he he does what he wants. He doesn't have to listen to these other wrestlers telling him he's in his match. Um, but I think that's kind of a lie because he he does have a match next week. He is going to show up to it presumably because Kenny then gets on the mic and he calls out Ray Phoenix. He calls him uh, a choker basically because he's choked during some of his recent most important matches this year. And Kenny's like, you know what? If you can't even get it done. In those matches with your brother, you know, people that like you, what's going to happen when you face someone who doesn't like you, like me? And he says he's worried that he might not just hurt Phoenix, he'll put him out for good. And then he mockingly says, like, you could always go to Impact. I know a guy. And Don Callis is like, Impact don't want him, but maybe he can go back to AAA, call up uh, Conan. What's he doing? And so it's just really uh, mean to Ray Phoenix. I'm glad that you took notes on Kenny's promo because I could not hear it over his outfit. Oh, I loved his outfit. <laughs> I loved his uh, Jonathan from Total Bell- Total Divas Deep V skin tight shirt. Mm-hmm. He was wearing a thing. Like I am, I am a fan of the outfit, but he looked like a big old douchebag, and mm-hmm. I think that's what he was going for. That jacket was something. Yeah. I Very love it. Very good. Like for, you know, for what I was trying to do. Oh, yeah. He was also wearing like giant aviator sunglasses indoor. It's like we yeah. get it. And some We're sort douche. of like weird statement necklace as well. Yeah. It looked like a some sort of charm or something. Yeah. He, yeah. he had a whole look and I feel like he was very spray tanned. Mm. 
very spray tan. He probably had crystals somewhere on himself. Yeah. This guy. Looking forward to that match, though. Should be fun. <laughs> Back at AEW, though, we have the Butcher versus Pac in the match. Uh, Pac wins it. He gets to do his Black Arrow. It's tentative, but I'm glad to see he's going for it. And uh, prior to him winning, I feel like the Butcher gets a lot of offense and throws little Pack around. But overall, this was kind of a mean guy match. Just like smaller mean guys. I don't think the Butcher should do singles matches. Okay. okay. Do you want to elaborate on that? Um, I think he's best in uh, short bursts. And just doing big guy moves. I don't think he's so good when he has to sell or, you know, carry the body of a match. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I think, I feel like the couple of times we've seen the Butcher in singles matches, I think, because we had had that match with Moxley, too, a couple months ago. Yeah. I feel like it's given me a new appreciation for how good the Blade is. (laughs) (laughs) Because I like their tag team matches. Yeah. I mean, the Blade was there. The Blade comes into play. But, yeah, I I feel like... I think it's like... very much... I think it's like a Hart Foundation kind of dynamic. I think because you had Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart, and when you watched them have tag team matches, you were like, the Hart Foundation, this is a great team. And then when they broke up, you were like, oh, Bret Hart was the greatest wrestler who ever lived, and then there was Jim Neidhart. <laughs> So you're saying that when they break up, the blade's going to suddenly emerge as top no, star? No, no, no. I think, I think that's company. a very extreme example. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. Th- yeah, n- nobody's Bret Hart, but I think uh, I think that the butcher has some uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart tendencies. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he is. Uh, he's good as like a big boy when you need him, but it is kind of. A long match to have him. Yeah, 13 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, like, so Pac wins, but at some point, too, like, Pac gets up on the top rope, like he's setting up for the Black Arrow, and then the Blade comes into play where he, he pushes Penta, who is also there to support his boy Pac, into the ring post and it distracts Pac and then the butcher he does like a move or something and he essentially gets him in the center of the ring and has him by like the neck and he takes a really long time he draws it out a lot and Eddie Kingston who was on commentary because he's always on commentary when his family's out there gets up and starts screaming at Pac or the butcher to finish it and he's like coming towards the ring and at that point Lance Archer shows up and he gets between Eddie and the ring and to stop him. But Eddie's still, like, screaming for the butcher to do something. But that was enough time for Pac to recover. And then it sets him up for the win. So uh, that, that was, like, a kind of an awkward timing. Seems like the butcher just had Pac for, like, a really long time when he could have pinned him. But then he didn't. I don't know. It's whole thing. The thing I like most about this match was Eddie Kingston's commentary. <laughs> I like we... the dynamic he has chosen, which is that he loves JR and respects and reveres JR. 
and he hates Tony Schiavone. <laughs> he hates Tony yelled at him at one like early on. He was trying to promote something and Eddie was talking over him and he just goes, Shut up when I'm trying to promote. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, okay. And then uh also Tony I hope they X- get along really well backstage. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But like Tony and Excalibur, because Eddie only likes JR. They both kept referencing Eddie's assault on Pac last week because Eddie pointed out Pac's neck tape. And Eddie's like, it's not assault if it's in the ring. <laughs> Just kept going to that. <laughs> so, like, they kept bringing it up. It was the whole thing. But, yeah, the, the announced team was pissed. Yeah. But, and I also think, while I think they're doing a fine job building up the Eddie Kingston-Lance Archer match that is obviously going to eventually happen... They're they're doing it in such a way that I still think like I feel like the ultimate match is still Lance Archer versus Pack. Yeah, yeah, because and that's the match I really want to see. Uh, yeah, Kingston as a like talking head, great. As a wrestler, I don't know. I don't know. I feel you like definitely, I'm gonna... you've definitely warmed to him in the last few months, though. I refuse to say anything positive. <laughs> 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 what about that shirt you wore? Okay, that's positive. <laughs> His social justice stance is positive. I'll give him that. But yeah, um, I mean, kind of to speak to that after the match, uh, <laughs> I love that Penta jumped on top of Pac as if to protect him and just like hugged him. Thought it was really cute because he's like, "This is my friend. Stay back." And then Lance Archer got into the ring and had some words with Pac. We don't know what they were. They were you know, not loud enough, but it looks like, like you said, ultimately Lance Archer wants to fight with Pac, so like, let's just forget Eddie and just do that. Just, you know, skip Eddie. Have that we'll get there. I Big think up. Eddie should be, should replace Jim Ross. I mean, you know, if we take the extreme measures Andy was talking about at the beginning, they, they'll need a new announcer. Unfortunately, I feel like it's probably more likely that Chris Jericho is going to be the one to replace Jim Ross. God, but he's he's going to get everybody COVID. Yeah. I say I say he's too stupid to to be uh, trusted. So let's just let him skip the line and get the vaccine quickly, <laughs> so he can't so he can't hurt other people. Oh my God! Yeah, you hate to reward stupidity, but I guess for the greater good. Yeah. So the vaccine. You can't like I know that you can't get it, but you can't like because you have immunity to it. But you can't be a carrier of it to give it to someone else. If it works, yeah, because you you won't just you just won't contract it. Okay. Yeah. That's we honestly don't have enough data, but we will find out when more and more people start getting it. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't think that's how the flu vaccine works. Isn't it to prevent you like you get a vaccine to build up your antibodies so that. Theoretically, if you come in contact with the germs, your body can fight it off and then you don't get it. Right. Or right. Yeah. But if you come in contact with the germs while your body is fighting it off so you don't get it, could you be a carrier at that moment? That's, I guess, I don't think so because it would. Well, yeah, I don't. don't, (laughs) None of us know what the fuck we're talking about. But my belief is that you don't like the, the point of the vaccine is so you don't contract the illness in the first place. So yeah. it's, not, it's not just like, it's not like you're a carrier, but it's not affecting you directly. Mm, okay, okay. <clears throat> yeah, the idea is if you get the germs, your body kills them. 
but also like just like the flu you know we have different strains for the shot so it's we're still learning yeah about this disease so it's it's kind of like get it but let's not just jump back into giant events right you know right i think we'll still have to see how things go after people get the vaccine before we get into back to normal life. Yes. Politicians are currently getting it to prove to us that it's safe. That's my understanding. And also like frontline workers. So I don't think like us three as like able-bodied 30 somethings are probably going to be, we're like at the end of the line essentially. Yeah. Which we should be. I'm fine yeah, with that. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. I'm just saying like, we're not even going to get to that point until probably summer of next year. I'm very excited to see all the uh, Republican congressmen and senators who downplayed COVID and don't wear masks uh, getting vaccinated before, uh, you know, me who has lived my life inside for nine months. <laughs> well, they don't believe it's a thing. So this or, is you know, basically like who have done the same thing and are in their 70s. Your parents are going to be uh, higher up in line than we are, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, we were talking to them today because we did, like, a Christmas Eve Zoom with the family. And um, apparently for Ohio, people over 65 are in the next group, and, like, they... So they could be vaccinated by the end of January. That'd be great. Okay. Cool. Does that cover your parents, too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mine too. But mine aren't in... My parents are worried because they don't live, like, in a metropolitan area. So they think it's going to be longer for, like, their area to get the stuff. Yeah, well, hopefully not much longer. But they're, like, near Columbus, which is a metropolitan area. So maybe Yeah, they I can... mean, I guess technically maybe they could drive up to Columbus to, yeah. to get it. I'll get it when I'm told to get it. But me too. Yeah. Oh, me I guess too. I'll just stay inside. <laughs> I might even push a couple people out of the way in line. <laughs> like it's Black Friday. And honestly, and I'm not, I, I am by no means an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. But um, I will probably feel a little more comfortable taking it after people have been taking it for like three or four months already. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, we don't really know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. So. Ooh. Well, that's a lot of fun talk. It wouldn't be an episode of the Elite Beat if we didn't go off on uh, COVID for at least 10 minutes. Just <laughs> spreading the holiday cheer. The way Chris yeah. Jericho spreads COVID all around. Uh... It's gross. But <laughs> it's spread, helpful. Spread like, cheer, it's... not COVID. <laughs> it's been a rough year, so it's nice that there's some hope. And now we just have to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. You know who's not patient is Jade Cargill. Such a good transition. You're right, though. She's pissed. And she, she can't wait for this nine months to be over. <laughs> no. You know what? <laughs> I loved. So let's get back to it. Jade Cargill is somewhere backstage, I think. And she's getting her hair done. She's got blonde short hair now. I think I feel like it was longer the last time we saw her. But she is uh, talking about how she... Congratulations to Brandy on motherhood but also what convenient timing (laughs) which i was like bold of you to assume she got pregnant to avoid fighting you (laughs) you know what i've (laughs) assumed things like that in the past about things like that not gonna go into any more uh, detail than that (laughs) 
Okay. Well, bold of you as well, Jenny, because <laughs> I think it's pretty hard to time pregnancy, and I don't think that it was because Brandy was scared of Jade Cargill. But that's how she's taking it. Uh, she she says Shax has called out Cody, so those two those two can still fight. You know, yeah, they're fine. Uh, and then she says I called out Brandy, but then she got pregnant. So now what? Now what do I do? And she wants a new worthy opponent put in front of her, I guess, in short order, or I don't know what's going to happen. She'll break somebody else's arm in a chair? We don't know. It was a threat. She came to the wrong company if she wants, like, a deep women's roster to compete against. That is true. (laughs) Also, somewhere in this promo, she just declared that she was taking over Brandy's duties as CBO. Yeah. I don't know why. (laughs) She said something like, now She's that you're not out, qualified. I don't know if she is. I don't know what her but background she, is. Jenny, she goes, now that Brandy, you're out, this job will get done right. And I'm like, what? No. I think I think it was good. I think Brandy's good <laughs> at it. Yeah, I think typically, I, I, so chief brand officer, a lot of that is promotions and public speaking. And Brandy's good at it. Like, right. And she uh, went to school for this. this she is uh, like qualified. I can't remember. Jade Cargill. Jake. Jade is not. She um she's a little rough on the promos. She's a little she rough is. on the promos. That's what I was trying to say. She could not take over chief she, brand officer. She has a she has a master's degree in child psychology. That but I don't think that qualifies her to brand not. anything. That's not. No. <laughs> she did better on this promo than the live one. So probably you some know. few takes. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't have anybody walk into frame and, like, tap a watch while she was cutting her promo. <laughs> Not just anybody, an EVP of the company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I feel, again, like, I'm pro Jade Cargo, like, based because I've heard yeah. her speak as a human. I, d- I just feel bad. Like, I don't want her to fail, necessarily. I just think she needs more time. And she seemed perfectly pleasant and very driven. It's just... Like, this is not NXT. You gots to, like, get up to speed quick. Mm-hmm. And she's maybe not there yet. But apparently, they're giving her a... I don't know. They're giving her a storyline with Brandy. What is... Maybe her first feud shouldn't have been so public. Maybe it should have been on Dark. Does her she first... actually know Shaq? Like, is that why she was called up? I don't think so. I mean, she's, <laughs> okay. she's, like, she's like a Dustin Rhodes QT Marshall trainee. Yeah, I just I just wondered if Shaq was like, somehow I know this girl and she wrestles, and so I want her to be my representative, or if they genuinely were just like, let's slap a newbie with Shaq. You know, Shaq. The Shaq. It, it's okay. All right. I say good luck to Jade Cargill, the person. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but good luck, Jade Cargill. You seem very nice on Unrestricted. Oh. Let's go. Oh, what? Did you find out? Some... Shaq? Well, I don't know good. if she knows Shaq, but her, her like, not her husband, but her, her partner, um, who she has a child with, is uh, Brandon Phillips, who is a former Cincinnati Reds second baseman. So maybe he knows Shaq. As, you know, a fellow pro athlete. And uh, maybe that's how she knows Shaq. They've probably been to events together. Yeah, sure. Cross paths. Okay. I genuinely just like, if you're bringing Shaq into the promotion to do a thing, 
wouldn't you pick your best and your brightest to represent him? <laughs> Unless Shaq specifically was like, I want this person. In which case, no. I would assume he knows them. You're not wrong. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, Sasha Banks is Snoop Dogg's, what, like, niece or something? Cousin. You don't, cousin? You don't know the relations. They're all secret and hidden. Star, like, entertainment people have, like, weird webs of relations. It's, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, but anyway, let's forget all that. Let's go to some more positive news that I think Jenny's going to be real excited about. And that is Kip and Penelope's wedding date announcement. Average people send out a save the date. Not Kip and Penelope. They have a television program that they can use. But the actual date is going to be obscured by some sort of prop. It was not great. (laughs) The graphic was not great. They eventually went to a full screen graphic for it. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna admit that. Um, we'll get we'll get to the graphic issues, but <laughs> we start out with no issues. And we start out with Kip, Penelope, and Miro out on the stage. Uh, Tony's there too, but I think he quickly gets edged out by the camera because <laughs> he's not important to this proceeding. Um, Kip says, "Yo, huge deal! We got a dynamite wedding. It's the first dynamite wedding. I first wedding on TNT, apparently." Yeah, I was like, okay, I trust your historical knowledge of the product. I know for a fact Dynamite hasn't had the wedding, but who knows what WCW and shit was doing? We don't. Nitro, uh, Nitro never had a wedding. Okay, and that's the only, and that's the only uh, wrestling show to ever be on TNT before Dynamite. So, all right, well, they were. It's missing- entirely possible that in their many years of content on tbs that there was a wedding on tbs but never on tnt he didn't claim content he claimed wrestling okay wedding so it's a huge deal it's the first one um and kip goes on to say that he's heard everyone's messages on social media he and penelope the obviously pour through all of them read every single one the fans are heard and because of that he understands that this is the biggest event of every fan's life clearly We all just want to know what their wedding plans are. So Kip points us to the big screen and says, it's time for our wedding date to be announced. And we see the best friends video start and their music hits. And then Kip, Penelope and Miro all do their best acting. And they're like, what? No, what? Why? They're appalled. And then they all just start laughing. (laughs) And we find out this is all an unfortunate joke. And then we see a video of Trent. He's in the back of an ambulance. Orange Cassidy and Chuck are there, and they're, like, very worried. And they get into the ambulance and take him away. And it's unclear, like, when this was from. It apparently, like, it happened at some point between last week and this week. So Trent uh, hospitalized. The best friend's out of commission. And then we go back live, and Kip and Miro and Penelope are cracking up. They love it. It's the best joke ever. They're so clever. And then they put up the graphic that Jenny alluded to where um, it's for their wedding. It says, like, the wedding of Kip and Penelope with Miro as the best man, which is a weird thing to call out on your <laughs> wedding. Save the date. Um, but, of course, they do. And it's February 3rd. It's a beach wedding. Miro's so excited about that. He jumps around. And uh, the event that this wedding is going to be part of is Beach Break. So, unfortunately, today, uh, Trent uh, tweeted, Hey, I have a partially torn pec and will be out for months. It's fine. No. What? 
So Great. this, I believe, that means that this angle was a a cover for uh, to get him off to get him off TV for a while. Is that from the match last week where he was like cradling his arm weirdly? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. That's right. We did talk about that. Yeah. Oh, Trent, that sucks. At least he didn't do it by like flexing his pec, like Triple H. That's embarrassing. It is. I don't like when people flex their pecs anyway. You weren't big on Colt Cabana doing that in his nope. his match. <laughs> Didn't like it. I, I gotta say, this just occurred to me. Now is the time. There's there's an opening in the Best Friends. Now is the time for the captain Sean Dean to step up to the plate and become like a, ma- a major character in the AEW universe. Dude, I support that. His Christmas sweater was on point <laughs> for this, and they love him. Yeah, Get they him love in there. him. They absolutely love him. They salute Get him. him. There. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he's real military or what, but. <laughs> I think if you slap captain and, like, as part of your name, people have to salute you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's my they pitch. They don't on below deck. <laughs> so that's my pitch. They could either do that or they could, uh, I guess, I guess you could just run with, do the feud with uh, Miro and Kip against Orange and Chuck. I guess, but they really highlighted Trent as part of that. Like, oh, I know. Like the whole the thing instigator. was like Miro and Miro and Trent having the the history. So yeah, it's 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 a tough break, but I I, I think you have to do something with it because Chuck's Chuck's Chuck and Orange have to want to get revenge. Yeah, they've got to be mad. I mean, their friend got hurt. What, what do you mean, Miro needs to get revenge for Orange touching the power button of his new Xbox? <laughs> he probably, probably bricked it. Yeah. His wife gave that to him. His wife. Mira's a big wife guy. My wife. I, could, I hate that I just did that. But I can't Why did it. you do that, Megan? Because it's like in my brain. It's Thank reflective. You, I appreciate it. Everybody appreciates it. <laughs> Ugh, please don't hate me, internet. Or if you do, don't tweet at me because I can't handle it. I've got a dad bod. <laughs> they can't tweet at me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't exist on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fine. You're allowed to not exist. Let's get back to the show. After this announcement happens and we find out there's a beach break thing on February 3rd, which I didn't determine if that's a Saturday or not. I can't. Is that a is that a pay per view or a? It's break, no, it's a dynamite. It's Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's appropriate. Uh, but anyway, getting back to this current dynamite, we have Evil Uno versus Dustin Rhodes in our next match. And if you remember, this is because Evil Uno dared suggest that Dustin join the Dark Order as number seven, which has historical context that Dustin was really pissed about and hated, and was you know mad enough to pull a win out of this match. He pinned Evil Uno after doing the running bulldog, and um, I don't know. He just came out swinging because he was so mad about the seven thing. But, I thought this match was real good. Yeah, I don't remember the last time I've seen Evil Uno wrestle, and it turns out, like, he's fine. Yeah, and Dustin's great, so. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot um, to say about it, but it was, you know, you could, it was a great. It was a, just a Dustin Rhodes match, and they're always good. I feel like it's probably good that we don't have anything to criticize about it because it's a fine match um the dark order you know how they're like 
I don't know, maybe turning good. We're not sure. Maybe Adam Page has influence and is making them a little more positive. Uh, apparently, according to the Nouns team, because Shoddy Lee Johnson was out here in support of Dustin and Stu was out here in support of Evil Uno, uh, apparently Stu Grayson defeated Lee Johnson last night on Dark. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, instead of being a real dick about it, he offered his hand in like a sportsmanship sort of way. So, um, you know, what's up with the Dark Order? Are they getting nicer? Uh, after this match, when Dustin ro- won, Uno was on his knees and he reaches up his hand and he's, he like extends his hand and says, we still want you, Dustin. Do you want to be part of it? And Dustin pretends to reach out and then he slaps Uno, who, you know, flies out of the ring because it's a slap of death or whatever. And then Sue Grayson runs in, avenges his friend by like beating up Dustin and Shoddy Lee Johnson, who jumps in. Or no, just Dustin. QT Marshall runs out, and Stu Grayson gets to jump on him, too. And then uh, Shoddy Lee Johnson gets to do a double drop kick on these two. And the Dark Order boys leave, but they look really sad and upset. Uh, I don't know. They should be upset, because Dustin was a real dick here. He was. Like, Dustin was totally in the wrong. Yeah, he was real mean to them. Like, Uno, like, he could not want to join the Dark Order. That's fine. They called him Seven, guys. <laughs> and they said that he was the third most important Rhodes. Okay, that was I weeks argue, ago, though. I would argue, one, Seven is the name George Costanza, Costanza wanted for his child. It's not all bad. Two, third most important is still third most important. Your family's really big. Wait, of three, right? The Nightmare family three, has three? Cody... Brandy. It was in the Nightmare family, not the Rhodes family. Oh. Justin. Shoddy Lee. Shoddy Lee. QT. Pharaoh. Yeti. Yeti. <laughs> like, we're getting... I would argue that he's really not third. That would, they that was being kind and generous. See, you're... <laughs> so, like, the Dark Order, their insult think, wasn't really an insult. I think, right. one of the, I think one of the cheese dogs is still alive. Monterey, maybe. Oh. Yeah. He's a pirate now? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. still alive. He's still kicking it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he likes Yeti very much. Probably not. Yeti's full of energy. <laughs> he yeah, probably just wants to chill out. <laughs> the Nightmare family is huge. Third best is still third best. Uh, but that was but it was no reason for him to to haul off and slap Evil Uno, who was like it was it was very much like a sportsmanship kind of thing, you know? Yeah, he didn't have, like, the jump on him. He wasn't the one standing over him. He was on his knees being like, if you still want to join us, we're here. And, yeah, he got slapped. That was pretty mean. So I don't blame Stu at all for, like, for, uh, you know, protecting his his boy. No, and Evil Uno at one point, like, uh, somewhere in there tried, like, after Stu had taken his aggression out on Dustin, I think Uno tried to grab him and be like, it's cool, we're leaving, the way that he's recently been doing with matches and being yeah. like, don't fight, don't fight. And then that's when, like, QT ran out and punched him. So, the Dark Order, I don't know, pacifists, maybe? Looks like uh, probably a, just set up, like, a tag match for, I don't know, when, next week or the week after, probably. Uh, yeah, sometime, yeah. maybe. We've got a couple big shows, mm-hmm. so we'll see. They always, fill them out. they always fill them out with, like, kind of lesser matches on the undercard, you know? Yeah, you need to have 
palate cleansers. Yeah. Somewhere there. So, yeah. Um, after that match, we go backstage where Tony is talking to Sean Spears. Sean Spears has his glove in his hand. He's holding it, not wearing it. And Tony says, hey, man, like, I'm not sure why you asked me here to talk with you. So I guess you go ahead and talk. And Sean Spears is like, okay, Tony, well, tell me, why did you leave the industry for 15 years? Tony explains that it was burnout, that he had reached kind of his point and he had to leave. And Spears goes, okay, well, I can identify with you. You're like, you're the man I need to talk to because of that, because I'm getting burnout too. And he says that while his confidence is fully intact, he thinks AEW's management is the problem and essentially implies that they're burying him. And Tony goes, well, Sean, have you ever thought that all of your issues you have, the common denominator is you? And Sean Spears gets enraged. He calls Tony a piece of shit for even suggesting this. How dare you? And then he... He starts to walk off and he says, you know what? I'll come back when I feel like it, which to me um, indicates that maybe Sean Spears is just going to go away for a while. But also, like, wasn't he away for a while? I don't, I don't know. What what was the purpose of him beating Sean or of him beating Scorpio Sky? I don't know. He's done nothing since. And Scorpio is arguably like the more marketable talent. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> I just, I don't, I just don't understand what like the thinking was there. Maybe they were, they had a bigger program planned and just, I don't know, decided against it. Yeah, but like you don't like, you can't even let Scorp get his win back before you do this. Yeah, I don't know. Put Scorpio on TV. That's what. Like, get him in there. Let's go. Where was he? Well, I think he was probably cheering on his girlfriend, Alex Gracia. Oh, no. Jenny looks to me, and then she looks away. Anchored. I was trying for a segue, but, like, it didn't go over. No, it does. Alex Gracia, it's good you mention her, because she's in the next match. She is apparently on Dark and defeated Killin' King recently, and now she's on Dynamite, and she's going to face Hikaru Shida. Now, prior to this match, there is a backstage interview where Dasha is talking to Shida, and she says, you know, Abaddon's been terrorizing you lately. How does that affect you, like, in prep, like, preparing for tonight's match? And Shida can't say anything because Abaddon runs in and just, like, attacks her. And luckily, Michael Nakazawa is there to help separate the two of them. But this is, like, Sheeta is in a bad headspace going into this match. She's pissed. And so, when she gets out there with Alex Gracia, she she starts, like, going ham on her. She's pretty angry. Did you think she was just going to blitz her and beat her in, like, 20 seconds? I Gosh, did. I'm... Yeah. Yeah, I fully expected that. And then, that is not what happened. I mean, Sheeta ultimately got the win. She did her Falcon Arrow, but it it was still like a competitive match. I mean, sorta. It was. It was most of the reason it was competitive is because Abaddon popped back up at ringside during the match. <laughs> yeah, but I fully expected Sheeta to just go out there and like take care of business. Yeah, you know. I feel like she's done that before. 
Yeah. After after a like after a something happened backstage to get her fired up, probably with Nyla Rose, and then she went out and like mm-hmm. destroyed I don't mm-hmm. know Red Velvet or <laughs> Kylan King or something. Yeah. Yeah. One of those girls. Uh, yeah. Uh, this time she, I mean, she started out strong, and then yeah. like midway through, she noticed that Abaddon had worked her way out from beating her up to the barriers and she ran over to the barriers and like grabbed her and pulled her over and started beating her up. And like Aubrey Edwards is like counting her out. She almost got the 10 count according to the announced team. Although that wasn't super clear because we weren't hearing or seeing it. We just learned from the announced team when she (laughs) was like, Oh shit. And then got back in the ring. So yeah, she, uh, Abaddon bit her neck. At one point? Yes, after the match, after Sheeta won, um, she got her kendo stick and she went over to the barrier where she had left Abaddon's, you know, unconscious body, I want to say. So, so like any person who comes across a potentially dead body, she took her kendo stick and sort of like poked her. It was like, <sighs> hey, hey, you there? And um, Abaddon all of a sudden jumps up and is like, I'm alive. And then she starts going after Sheeta and, uh, she gets sheet up against the barrier and then she like full on like vampire bites her neck. Gross. It was rough. She didn't lick but, her. Yeah. Um, Not sure. I guess she didn't lick her face. I guess she just bit her neck. I guess that's better. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Megan made it sound like it was better. I mean, Okay, I guess I guess it's better to fake bite her neck than to real lick her face. If that's what we're if that's what we're kind of going on. That was my measurement. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay that's fair. I this this gets I don't know this is getting a little too into like fiend territory for me. Um, Does the fiend bite people? No, just like kind of like the like she's a literal zombie stuff, and it's not just mind games like that. I don't know about that. Um, no, because now she can't say she's just cosplaying. I like to cosplay sometimes. Yeah, I too am a cosplayer. So they're having a they're having a title match next week, and hopefully that'll be the end of this program. I hope so. I don't want to see Abaddon for a while. What if Sheeta turns out to be a zombie? Well, <laughs> that might be. That'd be rough. That might be the end of the Elite B podcast. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I will still podcast. I'll be that. <laughs> like an cat. actual zombie or a fake zombie? Just like, I don't know. Either. <laughs> Showing up, biting people. What if this is the contagion that takes out AEW? I hope I never see Sheeta bite anyone. We'll see. Once I hope bit- she at least has her neck taped up next week. Oh, well, yeah. They- she posted stuff on Instagram about how she's in the medical trainers, like with blood goozing from her neck. Good. She clearly had like fake blood or whatever, because all of a sudden it was like, oh no, there's so much coming out of her fingers. Like when she's holding her neck, it was, I was into it. I'm like, all right, at least we're committed. We'll see how that goes. Zombie Sheeta, <laughs> I'm calling it. The main event of this evening is the acclaimed versus the young bucks. Naturally, the acclaimed wrap their way out to this here match, and it's fine. I don't think anything really truly offensive happened in this this rap. 
Um, but man, the Young Bucks, like, I don't want to take anything away from the acclaim, but the Young Bucks <laughs> really carry a team, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, they do. They're killing they're it. Incredible. They're like, like I said, like earlier, everybody, every team has their best match with the Young Bucks. Yeah. And, and that's based off for me, to be fair, literally like what the one other acclaimed match that's on dynamite. Cause I don't watch them on dark. Yeah. Um, but this match was very good and the young bucks are in it. So I have to give them some credit. Yeah. This match looked like this match looked like the acclaimed are going to be like big superstars at some point, you know? And I, and I wasn't thinking that after the SCU match. Nope. Yeah. But TK is, uh, into the acclaimed, I believe you said. Yeah, he put them together. So, idea, so yeah. okay. Well, the acclaimed got put over pretty well by the Young Bucks, but ultimately the Young Bucks won because, of course, they did. This was actually for the AEW World Tag Team Titles, and I don't think anyone was delusional about them being switched. So, Young they Bucks. Did do can... a, they did do a pretty heavy uh, near fall, like false finish, where Rick Knox got super kicked. And then that allowed uh, Max Caster the chance to kick Nick Jackson in the PP, and uh, <laughs> Anthony Bowens used his boombox, the boombox of doom that took out Christopher Daniels last week, hit Nick Jackson, and they uh, Caster covered him, but it took a while for another referee to get out there, and Nick Jackson was able to kick out. Yeah, Paul Turner showed up just in time. Yeah, I don't know if anybody actually bought that was going to be the finish, but they at least tried. No, it was, that's like kind of the level though, where, where we're at, where it took something that extreme to think, to have you think maybe because regular near falls. I'm like, no, these, they claimed are too new. They're not going to win those titles off the bucks. You know, it's just not going to happen. The the bucks ended it by pinning Matt or not Matt, Matt pinned Max caster. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. You claimed, sorry. It claimed. Uh, after he and Nick did the BTE trigger, so yeah. After what, Anthony Bones got power bombed through a ringside table, yes, he did. So, what are the names of the acclaimed? Anthony Bowens is uh, the one who doesn't rap. Okay, and Max Caster the is the rapper. Box. Yeah, yeah, Bowens is the boombox guy. Okay, I won't remember that. No, you'll remember it someday. Bowens boombox BB. That's good. Thank you. I'll try. Yeah. So, so yeah, this match I thought was really good. A lot of fun high spots. Nick Jackson is an athlete of immense skill. I, I don't even understand where he he's like a surprise athlete. <laughs> you know? He's amazing. Just they did their new out. um they did their new doomsday device spot um this week, but this week they did it in the ring, unlike when they did it outside of the ring against the hybrid too. I'm glad that that's becoming a part of the repertoire because I think it looks really cool. Yeah, I actually thought that was going to get them the win, and then it it did not. So yeah, I was thinking while during that match was going on, they did like the sharpshooter spot, mm-hmm. and I think they should beat a team some week with the sharpshooter just to like just so you can say that like this has won a match before mm-hmm. because there's never any feeling of like that that move is going to end a match. No, well, I thought it was cool that they both did it, but on the outside, Nick had, like, I want to say Max Caster on the outside, and mm-hmm. he had, like, Caster had his hand up as if he was going to tap, but I'm like, neither of you are in. Like, you don't need to tap. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. just, like, in this move. <laughs> like, yep. 
But yeah, this was a million times better than the SCU match from the week before. You're going to make Christopher Daniels retire with words like that. No, sorry. Sorry, CD. CD, you're not an outdated format. You're great. (laughs) Nickelbuck. (laughs) He was a great Jacob Marley. (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, that, that, uh, that was our show. Yeah, I I liked it for what could have just ended up being a throwaway dynamite based on, you know, where it was positioned. I I think they put together an entertaining show. Yeah, I thought it was pretty strong. Yeah. I'm looking I'm really looking forward to next week's show. That's a really strong lineup with uh, Phoenix versus uh Kenny and doing the Abaddon Sheeta match there. So which whatever you think about it, they've at least put some effort into building that match up. Right. In a way that they don't with most women's matches. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Excited. I didn't Should catch Miro in Dark this week, but apparently he killed Sunny Kiss. So. Oh man, come on, <laughs> poor Sunny. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it. I think we've done all our business. Hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season. Yeah. Uh, we got to figure out. When we're going to do the BDs this year, because last year, I think we talked about this before, we did them on the week off, and this week, AW did not take a week off. Mm, <laughs> so These working we'll, bastards. We'll have to do, like, we'll have to drop a bonus episode at some point. That's exciting. Yeah. We're good at criticizing things. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. But we don't do it on, on the social medias. I'm not a Twitter troll. I'm not a dick. <laughs> If you have uh, the, if you're compelled to say something mean, just like don't go type it out. Just keep it to yourself and like move on with your life. But my advice to you, free of charge. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're gonna be getting out of here. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your uh, holiday. Uh, just enjoy yourself. Don't do anything stupid. E leap beat. E e leap beat. <laughs>